I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. I love the diversity of what we're able to speak to here on the show. And today, I think, is a classic example of the range that we cover, but also the impact and how important it is to share so many of these messages for our education system, but also as a global society, trying to do the best we possibly can for the world that we live in. Today, I'm chatting to Sarah Duffy, and she's project manager for Common Seas. Common Seas is a social enterprise tackling the plastic pollution crisis by driving new policy, investing in the circular economy and catalyzing a cultural shift in how we make, use and dispose of plastic. Their mission is to quickly and significantly reduce the amount of plastic produced and stop it polluting our rivers and seas. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation with Sarah on what is an important as well as very informative conversation. Hi Sarah, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. We know that sustainability, the environment, is something which is very high on so many people's agenda and often it's not necessarily knowing what you can do to help and how in terms of supporting our children and the next generation, how they can get involved in a, in a practical way. So I think, I think our conversation is going to be very informative but I think really important for as everything progresses. So first of all, yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks very much for having me. I'm really, really looking forward to, to chatting. So... For those that haven't heard about Common Seas at all, give us a, a sort of a snapshot of, uh, of what it is that it's all about and also sort of your role within that. Yeah, absolutely. So Common Seas is a social enterprise and our mission is to really radically reduce the plastic being produced um, and, and ultimately stop it from polluting our ocean. So uh, we have several projects that sort of work together to deliver that um, and work sort of across governments, businesses, society to really try and um, sort of create that lasting change and lasting impact and the way that we all um, make, use and dispose of plastic. Um, in terms of my role, I lead our education programme. So there's two parts to that. There's Ocean Plastics Academy, which is um, a suite of curriculum linked uh, lesson plans, I think 42 of them for uh, learners aged five all the way to 16. Um, and then we also have Plastic Clever Schools, which is um, all about youth action. So it's a school wide challenge to reduce plastic waste with young people really at the heart of the process. So some really exciting projects. And you know the need for this is that obviously you know, there's lots of people doing great work in the space to tackle the plastic crisis, but it is a multi-generational issue and we really need to make sure that our young people are really equipped and motivated and, and confident to be part of that solution as well. So when you're sort of having a conversation with, with schools and specifically young people within schools, what's the, the sort of the common theme that comes across? Is it a sense of we know there's an issue we want to help are they unaware or or does it just depend on on where they live and what their exposure has been yeah it can definitely depend i think 
it's it's quite often something that you think of sort of coastal schools will really pick this up a lot more because they've got that connection to the ocean and when you're talking ocean plastics you know it makes it much easier for those schools to really sort of take on those topics I guess but the reality is that actually it's a problem that involves all of us and impacts all of us and you know no matter where we are we have an impact on that problem so I think it's really about making sure that young people can understand their own connection to the ocean wherever they are um so you know knowing that you know the rivers that are in our communities or not too far away connects us back to the ocean and we all have that that impact to the ocean in that way but also we all rely on the ocean for so many things as well you know for the for the air that we breathe even you know it's such an important natural resource and such an incredible place of biodiversity and we really need to sort of recognize the role the ocean plays and build that awe and wonder as well as then looking at that challenge of plastic pollution and the fact that it's something that you know influences is influenced by us all and every young person, every adult. You know, we can all see how we contribute to that through the plastic that we use in our daily lives. And because of that, we can all actually really see how we can be part of that solution and how we can reduce our own consumption and how we can sort of be part of that movement to, to reduce this waste. Um, so it does, it does depend on the school you're talking to and the location, whether they already have that connection, you might want to spend a bit more time thinking about that ocean connection and building that relevance. But you know, ultimately, plastic waste is something that is everywhere. Every young person, every school can physically see it in their own local environment. And I think that's the really you know, amazing thing about these resources is that they don't just focus on that global problem, but they really bring it home to those sort of more local environment issues, looking at plastic use in schools, looking at plastic litter, in your playground and just making it really relevant, making it really relevant and making it something that we can really see an impact on as well so that it feels like there's you know this opportunity, I guess, and something that we can all be part of and sort of collectively act on as well. Yeah, and I think that that takes away the, the fear factor in some ways, doesn't it? It's that kind of I'm hearing about these things on the news or I'm you know being informed about it at school and but there is something I can do about it. And we know that it's everybody doing something that makes the change, but there's always something about taking that action that feels that we're doing the best we can. And that's all I can do personally, but collectively all of that makes a massive difference. Um, I'm, I'm interested to know that the, sort of the perception of, of plastic, is it that kind of, as long as I'm putting it in the recycling, that's okay. As opposed to, I want to be reducing it as well and understanding that, that sort of whole cycle of kind of just because it goes in my recycling bin doesn't necessarily mean to say that it's it's going to come back as another bottle or something like that then there is still some impact on on the environment sort of beyond just that kind of complete circle of, of the recycling idea yeah absolutely and you know it, it's something that i think has been hammered into all of us is you know recycling 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 and you know when when we do these workshops and we're talking about plastics and we're talking about solutions and obviously that's you know really important part of this you know, recycling is always the first thing that is is shared it's always the first thing you know it's at the forefront of everybody's mind and when you ask you know who recycles at school who recycles at home it, pretty much everybody will say that they recycle but actually globally i think it's only around 15 percent, maybe less than 15 percent of the plastic waste that we produce is actually recycled so it really is not a solution on its own it's you know part of the problem but we really need to be helping young people and helping teachers to sort of understand the waste hierarchy understand sort of those you know more pertinent 
uh, solutions, you know, reducing this waste, turning off the tap. Um, and that's actually where Plastic Clever Schools is a particularly useful resource. It's a really simple three-step process that schools can follow, which you know, starts with an inspire stage, which is all about learning about that plastic problem and really you know, understanding why plastic is such a, such a problem and why we need to do something about it. And, I mean, at the moment, we produce 220 million tonnes of plastic waste every year. As I said, only 15% of that, around 15% is recycled, and about 40% of that actually makes its way to, its, to, the, to the environment, particularly the ocean. So it's a, it's a real problem, and it's one that there are already lots of solutions to, to address it, but actually we need to really help people understand what those solutions are, understand that there's still lots of space to be innovative, um, and really get to grips with the role that they can play. Um, so the next stage is then is investigating and that allows young people to really look at that plastic problem in their school and start thinking about the waste hierarchy and the different options to address those problem plastics. Um, and then the final one is ACT and that's really supporting those, those students to build campaigns that put those um, actions into play and get their whole school involved in creating those solutions. And you know, there's just so many ways that schools can can tackle this. And it's about really opening those um, opportunities and showing them the, those different innovations and really, I guess, putting the power in the hands of the students to get creative with this and, and look beyond just recycling and, and know that there are so many different ways that they can tackle this issue. Yeah, so once you become a school like that, you're able to sort of hang your hat on that sense that, you know, we really are involved in this. We know what, what it's all about. But more importantly, we, we're doing something about it, like you say, just beyond that initial kind of this is going in the recycling bit, which I think is fantastic. And I guess that opens up that whole idea of um, of us as a, a certainly a global community because you, you have more awareness of what various organisations are doing to help. And I guess being able to sort of reach out to some of those to kind of like say make those solutions which they wouldn't have first come across. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing about plastics, which is just so powerful, is you know it's a really tangible topic. Like I said, you know, everyone can see the plastic that they use on a daily basis. Everyone can see the impact they can make by reducing that plastic. But plastic actually it's you know it covers so many more complex environmental issues as well. So, you know, it, it covers climate change, it covers biodiversity, it covers circular economy. There are so many environmental and social um sort of learning opportunities through exploring plastics and addressing the plastics issue um, that are all completely global and you know obviously plastics itself is a global problem and so we do need a global solution and you know we tried to make sure that our resources are suitable for a global audience so you know, plastic clever schools ocean plastics academy our curriculum resources they're all designed to be sort of really transferable and use, usable worldwide so you know they link to the sustainable development goals and really help sort of bring that learning across sustainability and and sort of embedding that within the curriculum as well as in this extracurricular challenge um they develop ocean literacy principles and are built on like a, a universal set of ocean plastics learning objectives so anyone can access these resources and really take them into their curriculum into their extracurricular opportunities um, there's so many ways to apply them and at the moment we've got schools in more than 20 countries who have signed up to become plastic clever which you know i think that's just so inspiring and as you say it really builds that sense of a global community and, and the collective impact that that we can all make together and that young people can really be the leaders for and the innovators for and you know if you work with young people and you talk to to young people 
those young people are going to go home and talk to their families. They're going to talk to their peers. They're going to talk to their community. And all of a sudden, you've got this incredible movement and all of these people being inspired and motivated to take action. I mean, I know from my own child, he's only five. And obviously, <laughs> I mean, he probably gets quite a lot from me. But his dad wanted to take him to buy a magazine the other day. And it was sort of, you know, a bit of a bribery. So let's go let's go buy a magazine just to sort of get him out of the house. And, and my five-year-old son turned around and said, well, it can't have a plastic toy on it, Daddy. We only use them for two minutes and we throw them away. And I was just like, wow, he's five and he gets it. And, you know, it's so, you know, you're never too young to really start learning about these problems and thinking about our behaviours and the way we act and making choices and having an influence. And I think this is a really powerful programme to start giving young people that agency and really helping them to sort of, you know, develop that confidence and have that understanding and really take the lead. And it is that sense of, I think with schools often, you know, in, in the modern era of kind of fences and keypads and everything's very sort of insular and we're keeping you safe and, and we're doing what's best for you. And I think while I understand that's very true in, in so many different ways, what I like is the fact that this sort of gives you that sense of looking out, you know, you know, we're making a difference. We can connect in a safe way with the outside world where we can sort of put our mark on that. And I think that's really 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 important and, and I certainly know from my nieces are, are y- younger than my children and they have that same kind of sense my my sisters often turn around and say oh yeah they had they said this about this particular part of of the environment or the sustainability discussion they've been having at school and she, they were like it's so different than obviously when we were young but also the fact that it's not an add-on it is an integral part of what their understanding is and what they believe is important and I guess that's a really positive shift from a from a you know, an environmental, but also a personal sense that we're we're all, as a younger generation, actually having this embedded in what we believe is important for change, but also in the here and now, uh, as we're sort of moving forward. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's such a good point. And you made the point earlier as well that you know, young people are really exposed to the news now. You know, there's so much more exposure, particularly for students in secondary schools through social media and all these online channels that they have access to. And you know, the reality is that young people do really care about this stuff. They really do. And I mean, the proof is to create Plastic Clever Schools, we partnered with um, an organisation called Kids Against Plastic. Uh, that was founded by Amy and Ella Meek when they were just 10 and 12 years old. Um, and they started that charity because they cared about the plastic problem. And since then, they have inspired hundreds of young people around the world to take action on plastics. They've stopped more than 100,000 pieces of plastic litter making its way to the ocean. They've been awarded Queen's Honours for their work inspiring other children. Uh, they had a Pride of Britain Award last week. You know, they're just really incredible examples that you're never never too young to make a difference and it's been so inspiring working with them and you know having the opportunity to really learn from their experiences and work with the young people that they inspire as well to make sure that youth voice is actually not just something that we're trying to encourage with these resources but it's something that we're actually also really embedding with them as well so young people are not only at the heart of the action but they're at the heart of sort of creating the purpose for it you know and really designing a resource that is what they want and what they need and you know we know young people are powerful the climate strikes are an incredible example of you know the collective action that they can have and i mean another example is sky neville she um was in the press quite a lot last year actually for a campaign that she did to reduce um plastic toys on magazines plastic tap as she calls it and her campaign um i think she drove nearly 70,000 signatures on a petition to stop um, publishers from including those you know, rubbish toys that 
are designed to be used once and thrown away, as, as my son quite rightly pointed out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it shows that these young people, they, they're so passionate. They're some of the best advocates that we have for our planet. And, and in a lot of cases, you know, all they need is a platform and an opportunity to sort of really feel like they have the opportunity to make the difference and know that someone's listening to them and valuing what they say. And I think hopefully that's what Plastic Clever Schools is providing. And the, the sort of the academy and the curriculum standpoint, you sort of mentioned that you're sort of covering sort of eight, five to, to 18 in, in, in that kind of idea. Is it that the resources are the same and you can adapt them depending on the age group of the children that you're that you're teaching or you're involved in or, or they sort of split up into age groups or key stage depending on, on what it is that you need? Yeah, so the Ocean Plastics Academy resources are split up by sort of age phase and key stage. So um, there's some sort of similar resources. So we've got a scheme of work, which is um, Ocean for Beginners, which is really about that sort of connection with the ocean, understanding the awe and wonder of that you know, incredible environment and really getting that sort of foundation for learning about the problem of plastic. And we've got those for um, early years, age five to seven, um, key stage two, seven to 11, and then secondary age, um, 11 to 16. And then beyond that, we've also got our ocean plastics curriculum resources. And in our primary age resources so 5 to 11 these are linked to the English curriculum um, and also sustainable development goals very adaptable resources Um, but they're very cross-curricular so they link to geography math science design and technology art literacy and pretty much pretty much everything and all of those curriculum links are really laid out and made very clear in the resources and each resource comes with a lesson plan um, all of the supporting materials that are needed whether that's sort of digital resources powerpoints any sort of worksheets or cards or you know relevant things that support that learning um and that's all all completely freely available to schools and then for our secondary resources so the resources for age um 11 to to 14 in this case so our ocean plastics resources then link very specifically to particular curriculum areas so there's resources for design and technology for science and for geography um, so they're very specifically linked into the curriculum, but also linked to those sort of skills that we talked about as well. So, you know, it's not enough to just learn about this problem. We really need to have sort of the skills and the competencies and, you know, have the opportunity to really practice what we're what we're learning as well. So building collaboration, building leadership, building problem solving skills and really having the chance to put these into practice and sort of develop, I guess, as active global citizens and and that kind of learning and those sort of opportunities will carry with you for your rest of your rest of your life so you know this is really about those opportunities for young people to build those skills get that knowledge knowledge and then really apply that in their lives and i think like i said that sort of taking agency or that sense that we we understand the structure we understand what we're trying to do but we can then decide like say to create the project whatever it happens to be or to make it part of something that we want to do outside of our curriculum as it were and I quite like that sort of hand-in-hand opportunity to sort of it can grow and morph depending on the students who are who are involved and also depending on the school and what extra time and and the support they have with staff because it always comes down to that sort of extra support that's needed in order to take it forward and I think when you've got both of those two things hand in hand then anything is possible and I think the 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 flexibility and the awareness of people to feel like 
it can be led in any particular direction that then becomes really exciting as well and, and then like you say you can use that as a platform i guess to then do any kind of project sort of like say whether it happens to be ocean plastics or, or anything further afield yeah exactly and i think it's worth pointing out you know we know teachers are swamped we know that we know they have so many conflicting priorities and so many things that they want to teach and that that they're struggling to make space for in their curriculum so we've really done our best to make these resources as you know adaptable as user-friendly as flexible as possible so that they they can be used to support any school and every school in whatever way works for them so you know ideally schools will run this program with their students and really allow them to take the lead, which you know, putting this into the hands of their students, not only does that take the pressure off the teachers, but really empowers those young people. And it shows that we are valuing and genuinely valuing their contributions and their ideas and all of the things that they can bring to that space. Um, but then in terms of the curriculum, ideally we want schools to really be you know, running with those interests and those passions and embedding that learning so that young people really get that depth of knowledge and sort of start making those connections to those wider, more complex um, issues of sustainability. And these resources are designed to really help with that. And we've created everything that a school needs to do this. So it's all very, very easy to access. I mean, for students, we've got workbooks, the interactive digital workbooks that they can literally download themselves and work through the stages of the Plastic Clever Schools process. And within that workbook is all of the information to help them learn more about plastic and links to where they can find more information if they want to know more. Um, There's the resources that they need to audit their school. So there's a a really lovely um, questionnaire for them to fill out that actually generates visual graphs, data to help them make a case for the action that they want to take. It's got all the information about the waste hierarchy and how that looks and you know why we want to prioritise a circular economy and circular design rather than recycling. It's, it's all really there for them. And then in the ACT section, we show examples of other young people and talk about advocacy and really help build those young people up. So effectively, they could just do this entirely themselves with you know the space being made by the school for them to actually do this and you know to bring their peers together and to host an assembly or get their parents into a coffee morning whatever that looks like for them in terms of the ideas that they create so it's very much about trying to make sure that there are opportunities and ways for schools to pick this up um, then we've got a teacher toolkit to support those resources for students that makes it really clear what we've provided students with and the learning and the journey that they're going on through that process, but also links to our Ocean Plastics Academy resources. So rather than the teachers having to figure out which ones they they want to take on, it shows which ones actually really specifically link to those stages of the curriculum and, and pulls in those sort of key learnings that are relevant to those different inspire, investigate, act elements. So it's all designed to be, you know, incredibly usable and adaptable and hopefully something that schools will find really helpful in bringing in this journey because the other thing that we have to appreciate is particularly in primary schools is that teachers are expected to be experts in so many things and environmental issues sustainability issues they are so complex and so we want to make sure not only are our children really equipped and really empowered but that our teachers are really equipped and really confident to really nurture their students in this in this topic and I think it really brings up two interesting points. One is this sense, which I hear quite a lot now on the podcast, is you know teachers and students learning together. 
which is so empowering and, and seems to create an atmosphere like nothing else, as long as everyone's free enough and accepting enough to kind of like say to walk the path together rather than that sense of I know everything and, and I'm going to let you know what that is in that sort of old school kind of way. So I think to be able to sort of step into that with the resources and, and the framework, which is going to help you, I think is really, really exciting. Um, and I think also there are many, many people who are really passionate as teachers and educators about these areas in life who'd like to be able to to have more of an access of this within the curriculum but were not able to before and the ability to to work together with organizations and and experts who really do provide the best material means that there is now this sort of sort of hand-in-hand ability to change the system but more importantly sort of change the way that we can direct how we're using the system and the content within education as a system for that better good and um better good if that's the way <laughs> for, for, the, for the for the better good generally of everybody um i think is really exciting because it's that it is that morphing and it is that every person who decides to take this forward is going to have an impact in a way that they may not have had that option to before and i think that that's a really exciting educational development i think which is happening more and more in terms of, of common seeds, you sort of said there were different areas of it, and obviously we're specifically here talking about the education and the curriculum side of it. Um, but that kind of way of, of everything sort of linking together for, for that sort of common good in, in inverted commas, how does, how does common seeds literally see all those things sort of working hand in hand rather than just in those individual silos? Yeah, well, I think, you know, a big thing that we advocate is for the move towards a circular economy, you know, that sort of rethinking, re you know, reimagining, innovating the way that we create, make and dispose of things and valuing all of the resources, including plastic, because I think, you know, we have to remember plastic is not necessarily, you know, a bad thing. It was, it's, it's an incredible material. It's used for so many different things and in so many different ways. But the problem is, is that, you know, we're using this material that's designed to last effectively forever for single use items that we just use, you know, for a matter of seconds often and then throw them away. And I think a really good example of that is, you know, in the UK, for example, I think we use around 8 billion single use plastic water bottles every year. Yet we're a country where we have access in pretty much you know, every building, often on streets, to possible, you know, very nice drinking water. So if we're still producing that level of plastic bottle waste, you know, it's quite concerning. And I think it's it's really about looking for the solutions and finding where those solutions are. Um, and making sure that those are in place. So, for example, working with governments to identify policy that could be put in place to really change how we're using and making plastic. Um, I mean, another thing that Common Seas have, well, that, that we're working on at the moment is um, a campaign around human health. And I don't, I don't think I've mentioned this yet, actually, but, you know, we talk about polluting our ocean with plastics, but it's not only our ocean that we're polluting. Uh, we're polluting our bodies as well. So this year, Common Seas published world-first research that proved that there are microplastics now in human blood, which is quite scary. And the truth is that we don't actually know what that means for our health, and we need to find out. So you know, we, we want more funding to do more research and figure out what that means and you know, really make this, you know, it's not just a problem for our ocean, it's a problem for us as well. And And bring that sort of internalisation of the problem, I guess, so that we can all connect to it in a different way and I think that's a quite a difficult message for children without being scary you talked about you know the fact that environmental issues these problems they can be very scary eco-anxiety is definitely a real thing and that's why it's so important to make sure that 
there is that opportunity to act. And, you know, whether you're a student, whether you're a government, whether you're a, you know, a business owner or a member of society in any capacity, I think that's the key thing is understanding the role that we all can play and the responsibility that we have to do something. Yeah. I think it's so it's so important and it's fascinating sort of hearing all, all those different strands and I think to to have someone who an organization it's literally being able to to tell the world and be able to let's say to do the research and to be able to report back into it as well as creating resources which are making a difference you know you're sort of leading by example in that way in, in the best possible way which I think is absolutely amazing um we talked about sort of making an impact I'm, I'm always curious with people who are then back in involved in education is there a teacher or an education experience which had an impact on you and, and, and has that sort of been brought into sort of the way that you work or the way that you sort of understand education from, from that sort of new new way of being there yeah I think so um so I actually I had an art teacher a GCSE art teacher so you know fairly fairly early on in in my education career I guess Mr Chahan um if he's listening to this I hope he doesn't mind me naming him <laughs> um but yeah his classes his art classes they were really very good for the soul they were you know a real opportunity for us to follow our interests and express our feelings and our work and and really I guess find our passions not to sound too corny but you know a real opportunity to just be ourselves and be creative and um and I, I don't feel like that was necessarily something that came through in many other aspects of, of my, particularly my secondary school learning. It was it was very specific to that art class of learning experience, I guess. And, and I think that something that I've taken away from, from that is that actually that should be in all areas of learning, that opportunity to express yourself and explore your interests and find your passions that really should be in all areas of our learning and and I think that's something that I've really brought into my career with me is trying to make sure that you know we are listening to young people we are finding out what they want and what they you know what they care about and and giving them the skills and the, the courage and the opportunity to follow those interests. And that really is where one, a broad curriculum is really important. I know certainly for me, it was true as a musician. It was only the fact that, as I, especially as I hit my secondary school, I had a fantastic musical experience in primary, but as I hit secondary school, we had to learn an instrument. It gave me the opportunity to learn an instrument to, to experience what that was like. And it took me all the way into my career. So sort of having that broad idea, but I think also like say having, having different conversations around the existing curriculums as they are. Like you say, you know, we might be talking about geography, but actually ocean plastics is where we're going to head or, or whatever, whatever those versions are, the more breadth there is and the more chance to give everybody a voice and to find that in their own way with that sort of breadth, I think is, is really, is really important. It's so, and it so often comes from that passionate teacher who is just able to, to, to open a, a like an, an emotional door in some way to kind of connect with people to allow them to feel like oh yes I can feel the difference of this rather than I'm just turning up and doing what I have to do which I think is such a hard thing in school and that I know that's a barrier sometimes which whenever we can break that down makes all the difference because it goes back again to that sort of agency and the fact that I can make a difference in my life from what I understand and where I believe I can take the next conversation or the next action and um and I think wherever that becomes a positive attribute, I think that one helps the the individual, but it also helps us as a society as well, because it gives everybody a voice. And it's only those collective voices which are going to say, make the difference in terms of how we create a new project or a new business or, or a new way of living. So I think, yeah, it's a much uh, a much needed um, thought process and a much needed feeling for so many different people. Definitely. And it's what makes lifelong learners, isn't it? It's, you know, it's what makes us 
love to learn and makes us want to know more and makes us ask questions. I think it's, it's, it's so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Or do you have some advice now looking back as a, as a more mature Sarah, shall we say? <laughs> well, so I think probably the best piece of advice I've been given, although maybe don't tell him, was by my husband, who is also a musician. <laughs> um, and he basically makes a living from his hobby, which I was, and obviously I still am, um, in awe of, of that. It's, it's incredible to just do what you love and, and make a living from it. And you know, he said to me that, you know, we spend so much of our working lives or of our lives in general working that if we have the choice and we're privileged enough to be able to choose, why wouldn't we and shouldn't we choose to do what we love? And that was a really powerful piece of advice for me because at the time I was, I was a classroom teacher and I was really loving the teaching side of it and really you know, loving those interactions with children and, and all of that amazing stuff that goes with that. But I was, you know, as I think many teachers can relate to, I was absolutely exhausted and you know, really struggling to find space for the other interests in my life, which for me, you know, I, I just love the natural world. I'm so interested in it and so you know, passionate about it. And I'd previously done lots of volunteering with conservation organisations, which I was no longer able to do. And so I decided, you know, actually, let's combine those two things and let's actually really do what I really, really love and and pursue a career in environmental education and, and that really was the start of my journey to to where I am now and I'm quite thankful to him for that yeah absolutely it's great advice and I think also it's the it's the gray area within there which I think is the thing that people find hard to understand but is is where the sort of the true truth lies because it's not about I want to study this subject or I want to be this uh, a person whether it's an accountant like say or a teacher or, or an athlete or whatever it happens to be it's knowing that this particular area is something which speaks to me and I want to spend more time doing that and each of the conversations each of the courses each of the decisions you make kind of put you on that path and at that point it becomes quite organic in terms of you meeting the right person or like you say you take the right course or you get the right job or you you feel like you're in a company of people which is are speaking your language and I think then it becomes very organic and then whatever the the subject matter or the area that you're talking about if it's true to you then it's going to come across in what you're doing and again what you're able to produce and support other people with and yeah so as a musician I, I certainly can can relate to that do, doing doing what you love and um but I remember my my careers conversation at school was kind of oh you want to be a musician well then you either need to go into the army or you need to be a teacher so that black <laughs> that, that black and white so yeah I think like I say the gray area is where a lot of it is Definitely. And there's, there's a lot of pressure, really, from a young age to know exactly what you want to do for the rest of your life. And, and you, you said, you know, what my advice as a, a wiser Sarah be. And I think you know, I, I remember to this day feeling so stressed because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I needed time when I finished college to really make decisions and decide what that would look like. And, and actually, my advice to myself now would be, you know, don't worry about it. Like you say, just do what interests you and you're always going to end up somewhere good. And you can always change your mind as well. That's the key thing. You know, you can start one career and you can change your mind and you can always do something else. And so I think when we're younger and we're thinking about those future careers, it's very much, like you say, very black and white and we can be one thing or we can be another thing. But actually, I don't think that's true. And I think that's what I would want to, to share with myself if I were stood next to myself, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really important. And I think also that the time thing you mentioned there is so key because... 
I think especially for young people, it's kind of, well, now I'm 16, so it's GCSEs, and now it's 18 and it's A-levels, and then I'm going to college or I'm getting a job or whatever it happens to be. And it's all about, it has to be about what happens this minute. And we know as we get older, well, you can do those exams again whenever you need to, or you can take different exams when you want to. We know your career is not set for life anymore. We know the options are out there. But yet the, 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 the feeling that is sort of pulled into young people is the fact, no, it's all about this moment now. And I think, like you say, to be able to say, it's okay, take a breath. If we know <laughs> the system is still set up as it is, but we can support you in knowing that there's there's more movement than that, and there's more fluidity in that, and and like I say, just take a deep breath and step into it, and it will it will all work out for the best as, the, <laughs> as these things do. But uh, that's a whole different podcast about general <laughs> perception, well being, and mental health, and, and all the rest of it. But yeah, fantastic. And is that a resource you'd like to share and this could be professional or personal in terms of a podcast a video film song book whatever you think is is something that people will be interested in yeah there's so um in a previous job i was introduced to common cause for nature i'm not sure if you've if you've come across it before so it's values and frames in conservation and it's basically a, a piece of research from i think it was around 13 uk ngos who came together to sort of figure out how we can really impact behaviour change, because we know information on its own is not enough. And it really looks at the role of intrinsic values and how these are essential to conservation and really help us connect um, and activate and you know inspire that care so that people really you know, feel able and feel motivated to actually do something, actually act on the things that they care about and the things that they're learning about. Uh, and it's just, it, was, it, was a, it was just a really interesting, um, I guess, practical guide as well so you know it's it's this great um introduction to these this idea of intrinsic values and conservation and sort of the connection that we all have through these but it's also a very practical guide when thinking about the work that i do now and thinking about how we you know really not only sort of build build literacy for, for ocean plastics but really actually inspire that action and that doing something about it and um it's, it's been a, a very I think influential uh, resource and yeah I, I would highly recommend people have a read I'm sure reading it would do it much more justice than I just did <laughs> <laughs> but so we'll make sure we get a link in and, and, and get people access to that as well which would be, be perfect um and and finally the acronym fire is obviously important to us in terms of education on fire and by that I mean feedback inspiration resilience and empowerment what is it that just springs to mind when you, you hear those words or, or what is it that comes first and foremost to, to what you think is important? Oh, I mean, I think I've talked so much today about empowerment. You know, I think empowering people to you know feel able to do something and feel inspired and be interested and, and care. And I think I think that's just so, so valuable and especially young people because we know they care and we know they're interested, but feeling empowered and feeling able to be part of the solution and be able to make change is just so incredibly important. And I mean, I think I'm very fortunate in the job that I have because in terms of being empowered myself, because I, I, I think from my experience in environmental education and I, I found that for a lot of organisations that aren't actually education focus that's not sort of you know their their core purpose education is often a bit of a tick spot tick boxing boxing exercise it's often maybe a little bit of an afterthought something that's done to 
you know, appease boards and funders. And actually, I'm very fortunate that in Common Seas, you know, this need to inspire and empower the next generation really comes from the top of the organisation and it really filters through in absolutely everything that we do. And I think I feel very, very fortunate to have been empowered in that way. And I think, you know, in terms of Plastic Clever Schools and the partnership that we have with Kids Against Plastic to to, to, to deliver that and bring in that real youth voice and really authentic youth action, um, I think that's just so, so important. And, you know, if anyone's listening from an, an NGO or... And, you know, a non-education, but slightly education focused organisation just, I think, just really need to value what that brings and empower your staff as well as young people and teachers and everybody else. So for me, I think empower is probably the strongest one that stands out. I think it's a great thing to hear and it's a great thing to share. And I think more and more people, I think they've always realised that's a really integral part of what any organization needs to do but they're never quite sure how that looks in practice yeah. and I think that's why I love the podcast so much because you get to hear the voices and the experience of people behind the website or the tagline or the or the resource or whatever it happens to be and you get a real sense of you know what the energy is like within that particular situation and I think then people start to realize it's about the the process it's about the human connection it's about the the drive to want to create something and and how how any given organization's gone about that and i think if if it does nothing more than make someone go oh actually i think i can do something along those lines or at least have a conversation with someone to kind of start to spark that and i think you know then we're making a real difference as well above and beyond <laughs> what we're actually talking about as well so fantastic sarah thank you so much for your time and, and all your enthusiasm it comes across so clearly and i think as we said it's such an important thing for so many people and i think being able to follow that line from a want to do something an understanding of how we can do it and that empowerment and the ability to to give children and people the chance to to make a difference and feel like they can do it in that empowered way i think is incredibly incredibly important so yeah thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me it's been really lovely speaking with you Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.